0: Welcome to Dragon Talk, everyone. Yay! We are here. (laughs) Okay. This was the... I was like, hands up.
1: That was like a religious experience just now. I'm here.
0: Uh, Charlie Sheen from Platoon. Hands up. Dragon Talk. Getting shot in the back. Oh. Uh, No. Spoiler. I know, guys. Don't... (laughs) Vietnam War (laughs) happened. It was terrible. (laughs) We are here to talk about Dungeons and Dragons. This is the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. You
1: don't say. It is. Oh, my God. I'm
0: Greg Tito.
1: I'm Shelly Mazanoble.
0: And we have an excellent guest coming at you.
1: Amazing.
0: In the interview portion. Yes. Who is it?
1: Writer, performer. Also, we're going to find out, musician, or composer. What? Emily Axford. Yeah. Yay! Very
0: exciting. We're going to talk to her about not another D&D podcast, mm-hmm. what she thinks about the acronym NADPOD, yeah. uh, as well as uh, what's been happening with, um, uh, with all the fun stuff that she's been doing with Dimension 20. We yeah. just had our great interview with uh, Brendan Lee Mulligan, yes. Um, and I can't wait to get the other side of yeah. the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll what's find it like, out. What's it like to be a player? In his campaign. In his campaign.
1: People seem to really like it. Exactly,
0: it's true. We are excited, excited for this. Oh, I we could do that all episode. <laughs> we really can. I think we're just going to have yes. to table the axe throwing uh, for a later time. Okay. Put Explorer's guide to wild Mount oh. is on its way. March seventeenth, you will be able to roll your heart into the world behind the second. See, uh, a campaign of Critical Role, Matt Mercer and Chris Perkins have been working hand-in-hand and creating all the content for Explorer's Guide to Wildmount. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. There are a lot of people who want this book. It is topping basically all of our pre-order records.
1: A lot of people who have are getting this book.
0: They've already, government. yeah, right. They've already bought it. They've yeah. already, you know, put down their money for it. And yeah. uh, I, I talked about this a little bit on D&D News, but it is, as far as we know, topping all of uh, Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition sales in the pre-order category.
1: What? Uh,
0: which is pretty exciting. Yeah, a lot of people out there. Well, so
1: when you're the number one book on Amazon... Of all books.
0: That's I love that statistic all, it's like all books. All the books. All of them.
1: The fiction, the nonfiction, the books that the actually exist books. that are there. Right. In store. <laughs> like you can purchase right away. Number onesies?
0: Yes. Onesies. Yes. That's pretty cool.
1: It's really cool. Yeah,
0: so uh, March 17th is when it will be available everywhere in stores, on DD and d Beyond, uh, at your local game store, which you should totally uh, get your book there if you possibly can. It is uh, going to be chock full of setting information. There's going to be great stuff that Dungeon Masters and players can use if they don't want to necessarily use all the setting information. They can just kind of beg, borrow, and steal. Uh, there's great subclasses in there. My favorite one that I uh, like to talk about is the Echo Knight, which is a subclass Ooh, of the yes. fighter with echoes of uh, other probabilities being used uh, to their advantage. Uh, a lot of fun stuff like that. Dunamancy it's like a new kind of uh, family of spells uh, that all deal with probability and how to you know, use that to your advantage in battle. Interesting stuff. It seems
1: like I wouldn't have time in battle. Well, you
0: can go back in, dun, 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 back in time. Back in time. That's do math in battle? No, but you have to sing the Huey Lewis song. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I do that anyway. <laughs> yes. And that's part of my ritual.
0: <laughs> Whenever you go back in time, yes. you sing that song. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Super cool. Uh, look for it again on shelves March 17th. There's also something else coming out on March 17th. Tell me. Leryl Silverhand's Explorer's Kit. This is not just an Explorer's Kit of amazingness, but you also get some dice. In fact, you might even just call it a dice set with some amazing things on there. Same form factor, same idea uh, as the Baldur's Gate Descent to Avernus dice. A box, felt lined. You can roll your dice in them. Love They're like basically that. two dice trays. They yes. have that nice little... Sound when you when you roll in it, which makes it real real nice it, for people. It, it
1: keeps the the dice on the table. Yeah,
0: exactly. That's that's an important thing. It really is. Because how many times have you rolled and it's like, oh, oh, oh sloppy
1: dice. Oh. drink twice.
0: <laughs> that different game. But part of the, that was a rule. We're yes. adding it. <laughs> we're adding it to the uh, the, the taking a shot uh, yes. in order to make the cleric spells work better. Spellcaster. Yeah, I yeah. like it. I like it. So that's coming out on March seventeenth. Two, uh, we also have some monster madness on the way
1: in February.
0: In February,
1: <laughs> you know it, dungeon mayhem, dungeon big mayhem. old box of monsters. They
0: are so cool, those monsters. Oh, they're
1: adorable. They
0: really are. I want to like, give them all a hug.
1: I mean, they're vicious. They're they're angry. They're
0: they're mad. Whatever.
1: They're just really cute, though. They are. Cam Kendall was the illustrator. And he's amazing.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, there's, you can find out more about him, actually, in the, the next issue of Dragon Plus.
0: Nice. Yeah, so I
1: just, I just read a little interview with him that is coming up.
0: That's super cool.
1: Yeah. Um, but anyway, Dungeon Mayhem, Monster Madness, six characters. <laughs> Monster themed.
0: Monster themed character decks.
1: And a storage box. So you can put all of your Dungeon Mayhem cards, <laughs> all of them,
0: <laughs>
1: into the
0: box. Into the box,
1: <laughs> along with all your tokens.
0: I love that you have a storage solutions. We do. That's important. We do because people like to collect things, I and then know. being able to have it all in one place, you pull it out, and then everybody can choose which character they want to play as. They can yes, mix it up. They have know. like
1: beautiful designed dividers. Trish Yoakum worked on this game. She's worked on. She's basically made every Dungeon Mayhem card. She's
0: like the dungeon maven.
1: She's the dungeon maven, like the godmother of Dungeon Mayhem. Because she has she's she created all the beautiful visual elements.
0: She really did. She did. Yeah.
1: And there's beautiful dividers so that you can just be like, oh, today I feel like playing Leah the Radiant. And you can just go find those cards really easily. I love that. By the time this comes out, there'll be 12 characters for Dungeon Mayhem. So you got to have a place to store them, along with all your tokens. And then
0: with the six-player rules, that means everybody Five in the six family. Five and six-player rules, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And seven-player rules are coming soon. <laughs> How dare you. You stonewalled me on that one. You're like, no, no response necessary. I will not
1: engage. You've been trolling me all day, Greg Tito.
0: What about 13-player
1: rules? Go for it.
0: Can you double up? Is there any rules for saying, like, can you have, like, two Leas and...
1: There's, I guess and, you and could four
0: blorbs playing against Just each other. Just try it. Just try it.
1: Just see what happens.
0: Uh, and the ghost mechanic, I think, is super fun in that
1: the vengeful ghost.
0: If you pass away from all the damage, <laughs> uh, you can still <laughs> exact your revenge upon whoever you wish. Yeah, Doesn't you, even have to be the one who the game. did the damage for you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So be careful. Genius. Who you target?
0: Because they're coming after they can you. Come after you. Very cool. Look for that in February. Also. Um, I guess that's it. I guess that's everything we've announced for this year.
1: Well, I guess that's all we're doing. I guess
0: that's it. We're done. Dunzo's. That's, so, that's anyway, it. Have a
1: good year, everyone.
0: We are working hard on so many things that you don't know about. We'd love to spill all of the uh, d fours on the ground so that you step on them and then you take yes d four of damage. Right. But uh, but alas, Feels good in the future times we will tell you all about the fun things. Yeah. There. Maybe you can cast a few divination spells and try to figure it out. Go ahead. Yeah, I dare right you. I, I triple dog dare you. Make it happen. We have some fun... I mean, one thing that I definitely want to plug, since you mentioned it, is uh, uh, Dragon Plus. Yeah. New issue coming out. If you have not downloaded Dragon Plus to your mobile device, it's available on iOS and for Androids. Yes. c 3 P I would be proud.
1: Yes. Just you, for him.
0: You can also access all of that content on uh, dragonmag.com, on on any browser. It's all there. And it's every two months. There is a plethora of articles, previews, interviews, RPG materials, like maps and things like that. Uh, It's beautiful. It is all free. It's all for you. Check it out if you haven't already. Do it. Yeah. We also have an uh, email list, which we don't talk about very often, too. I was too. just going
1: to say, what right? about the newsletter?
0: Right, the newsletter. Yeah. Uh, for me, the Dragon Plus content and the newsletter goes hand in hand because it feels like, you know, it's stuff that you get on a periodic basis. Yep. That's that's what they called a periodical to back keep, in the days. To
1: keep you in the know.
0: Exactly. Um, so uh, sign up for that as well. You'll get tons of information as well as exclusive things like codes and whatnot uh, for for. Maybe discounts, maybe uh, finding out early. about things before anybody else does. Yeah. I mean, not only do you listen to you know Dragon Talk and and the Dragon Plus show that Bart does and D&D News and uh, D&D Presents when it comes out uh, very soon. Yeah. Dragon Plus is a great way to find out about that stuff. Yes, it
1: is. Right. And it's an aggregate of all of the good stuff.
0: Aggregate. Aggregate. Awesome. So let's kick it off to some lore that I should know, and I'm going to, after I talk with this person. Okay. You want to do it? Yeah. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lore You Should Know. I am Greg Tito, and I'm joined by...
2: Chris Perkins. That's you. Yes, it's me.
0: I know. It's Yay. so great to have you here. Today, uh, on this segment where we dive into little bits of Dungeons & Dragons lore for use in your game, or just because it's really fun to know all this stuff, we're going to talk about Mount, a new addition to the D&D multiverse.
2: Indeed, yes. The world of Exandria. Welcome to the D&D multiverse. We're, we're, we're really happy to have you here, yes. uh,
0: Matthew Mercer and
2: all of the yes, amazing yes, folks yes, who worked yes, on this yes, book. Yes. Indeed, yeah. This is this is actually the first campaign, official published campaign setting designed for Fifth Edition.
0: That's really true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because with Ravnica and Acquisitions Incorporated, they were all yeah. You know
2: yeah. They, they in were in the around, same vein, yeah. but yeah, yeah, but they were
0: around before, and mm-hmm. this was the only one that yeah. has been created uh, actually in the entire era of Fifth Edition. Because it was this March 2015 that uh, that Critical mm-hmm. Role debuted. Yes, right, which was yes. after this. Oh, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like all that. All right, so in, t- in this one, we are going to talk about gods of Wildmount, the oh, deities yeah, that yeah. are doing all of the fun things. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they similar to uh, the Forgotten Realms gods of yore, in which they have direct influence on the events of Wildmount? Uh, they don't or is anymore. Alexandria, ah, oh, they don't anymore. All right, no. so kind of similar to FR in that in that regard.
2: Um, well, they have been they have been very present. In the distant past mm-hmm. of Alexandria, uh, but now they're currently locked behind the divine gate, which is a self-imposed well for for many of the gods it's a self-imposed exile mm-hmm. in a way from the world, uh, so that they can no longer meddle or accidentally destroy as they once did <laughs> and there's um, in in the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount book. Matt goes in deep to explain how the gods ended up putting themselves and their um, and their uh, betrayer god foes behind this divine gate okay so yeah. so they are behind a, an actual i guess metaphysical gate correct, yeah, which was all born out of an event uh, that was that was calamitous to the world where the, the prime what, what we call the prime deities the ones who sort of define the core ethos of the pantheon, and the betrayer gods, the ones who went bad <laughs> and started to corrupt mortals of the world and do all kinds of unseemly things to the creation that the gods had, had, had made together.
0: Which is a common trope in, in, exactly. in, in our myth yes, as well as fantasy Exactly. Myth, right? and,
2: and, and in actual fact, uh, we've seen these tropes come up before um, in Dungeons & Dragons because to an extent... Uh, A lot of inspiration for the Pantheon came from the Dawn War deities that were created for 4th edition. Mm. Uh, There was a sort of core Pantheon that included such figures as Melora and um, Bahamut. The Raven Queen. The Raven Queen, exactly. And Matt kind of took that core Pantheon and kind of switched a few things around, added a few things sort of peeled off some of the gods into a betrayer gods category and yeah. keeping the core pantheon intact. But I mean just just <laughs> <This> <laughs> We're going through the th- actual proofs th- yes, this of is, this, the is a, book this is a, a this right is one now. of the final proofs of the book um prebound. We've even got version of the cover that we see from the printers to make sure it's, you know, color correct. Um, but anyway,
0: um, yeah, and, and, well, and I mentioned that it is, it is inspired by, by old myth because it, it brings, brings to mind, uh, Tolkien with the, uh, uh, and then having the fallen Melkor. Mil- yeah. Uh, and then it's also, that's reminiscent yes. of, uh, of of Satan falling yes. from, from, from the heavens, right? And it, I love exactly. this, that we're exploring those same themes, but in a completely new yeah. and interesting way. Yeah, in the earliest
2: form of Exandria, it was sort of this proto-world that the gods and the primordials were fighting for control over. Mm-hmm. Eventually, the gods seeded the world with their creations, these mortals, and then they they made the mistake of giving mortals magic, and of <laughs> course, things quickly go off the rails. <laughs> they <laughs> always do that. They always give us too much they, you know, they're, they're, they're helpful at first, and then things kind of go sideways. But uh, <laughs> the, the prime deities of the world as it stands today are Avandra, Bahamut, Coralon, Arathus, Ayun, Kord, Melora, Moradin, Pelor, Rey, the Raven Queen, and Sehenin. Okay. So the only, the, new, the only new addition to that from uh, sort of the fourth edition Dawn War pantheon is Rey, and that was inspired by one of the characters of the show, uh, Tasha. Um, Ashley Johnson's character who needed sort of a particular deity to inspire toward.
0: And what is what is uh, uh this Ray the deity of?
2: Uh Atonement. Atonement.
0: Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's that's a new uh portfolio yeah, for yeah. for us.
2: Uh yeah. Yeah. And uh it's a, it's a fine addition because none of the other gods really kind of fit that particular uh uh idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. All right, so then are they the ones that you just listed? Many D&D fans will be familiar with yes, them. Yes. Are there significant differences between any of them and the ones that are portrayed here in Exandria?
2: Um, yes, they've, they've all sort of got a, a slightly different skin. Um, in, in fleshing them out for his campaign, Matt sort of came up with commandments that followers, that the followers of these gods follow. He also uh, developed their sort of look and imagery a bit, uh, so some of their symbols were modified. Uh, wh- he found sort of new ways to express some of their core uh, uh, portfolio um, things. Uh, the commandments are really kind of interesting and fun from a hook point of view, because then if you're playing a worshipper of so-and-so, you really get a sense of what you're all about and what you should be focused on. Mm. Um, just to take example, um, the commandments of Avandra, for those who don't know, she's uh, she, it, they... Gods are, you know, you can't really ascribe a gender, gender- to gods. They're genderless. They're, they're kind of above gender in a way. Yeah, uh, Avandra, uh, their province is change, freedom, luck. Uh, the symbol is woman's profile embossed on a gold coin or pendant. And, their com- and commandments of Avandra are luck favors the bold. Mm-hmm. So your fate is your own to grasp. And uh, to do so is to have Avandra kind of behind you, watching your back. Another commandment is change is inevitable. Oh, that's an uh, important one. The righteous can ensure that such change is for the better. And then finally, uh, the other commandment of Evandra is you want to rise against tyranny. Fight for the freedom of yourself and others when you can and inspire others to fight when they're able.
0: That's great. Yeah. Uh, do the commandments have uh, mechanical effects, or are these more like the bl- no. bonds and flaws? Yeah, that they're are on like the
2: guideposts 50- to you as a character to kind of know what your boundaries are ethically.
0: I like that though, because yeah. uh, cl- specifically clear- uh, um, stating those out is really important for you know clerics and paladins, particularly because yeah. you can you can say as a dungeon master, you're you know not doing what this commandment says, so therefore you might have some consequences or or you know. Give the choice to the player to make sure that they're following those commandments. Absolutely,
2: yes. Uh, And so, uh, so Matt got to play with their depictions and these sort of elements, and also talk about things like holy days within the world of Exandria and within the continent of Wildmount, which is something we didn't. Which is really a good point. If you're a DM and you're trying to take something that we've created in the past, but kind of make it your own, yeah, these are great creative design spaces to explore. Uh, so, the Raven Queen's Holy Day huh. is called the Night of Ascension. And some folks folks who are follow Critical Role would know this. Yes. Uh, celebrating her apotheosis, the actual date uh, uh, of her rise to divinity is unclear. But the Night of Ascension is celebrated on the 13th day of the 10th month. And uh, what was once a night of cheery celebration of the dead in the Dwendalian Empire has become an occasion to burn effigies and decry the Krin dynasty. Uh, because of their kind of unnatural relationship to death, so um, there's a lot to unpack there. But yeah, it's Who, who's uh, devotion to
0: death that you just said there. Sorry, the last bit about um, the Kryn Empire—they're they're, you're burning oh, effigies yeah, they've because got,
2: they've got they've got a, a, a thing going on. Um, they be- there's a deity that we that I was going to get to later, but we might as well get to right now. Um, and deity might be an odd word to ascribe to this entity or entities called the Luxum. Mm. Um, and they're sort of represented by uh, these beacons that are kind of a crux of of Season 2 of Critical Role. Um, but, campaign but, too. But the Luxum it, are entities of pure sort of divine light. But what's cool about them is they enable... Uh, uh, their followers, to uh, live multiple lives. So you die, your soul gets drawn into the Laksan and then is born in like a, a new baby somewhere in okay. the world. So you're just, it's like this constant rebirth. And you retain much of the knowledge of what you were or your previous lives or aspects of your previous lives in this new form. So, it is kind of more like an apotheosis than a, a reincarnation or a, a resurrection. Um, so, that these,
0: these, these souls will live multiple yes, lives and have memories of exactly. multiple and lives. Exactly. And so, they
2: become quite ancient yeah. as a result. And the Crin Dynasty is um, uh, sort of the, the force, the Crin Dynasty is largely made up of dark elves. And so, you have these dark elves who have experienced this, this apotheosis, which is called uh, consecution. Uh, multiple times and have multiple lives to draw from. And of course, to the Raven Queen, the finality of death is a sacrosanct thing and this is a way to circumvent that and she doesn't like it.
0: And that's why the Dwendalian yes. Empire is in opposition to Kryn? Well, yes. Or one of yeah. the many one reasons. One of the many
2: reasons. The other yeah. is, is uh, geographic and we'll get to that probably in a later podcast. Yes. Yeah. Uh,
0: Alright, fascinating. Uh, uh, the Raven Queen has does seem to have taken a, a, a large amount of um, Importance in in this setting is that true? Yes,
2: yes. Um, I think because uh, for a number of reasons, uh, death is kind of a a core element of Dungeons and Dragons. Players face it <laughs> almost every section. <laughs> um, so uh, depends
0: on who's the dungeon master, but yes. <laughs> Fair, yes, yeah, yes,
2: yes. If you're mine, every five minutes. Uh, <laughs> if you're my player, uh, <laughs> so um, but and she's also a very striking figure. Um, and has been represented a lot in art, and uh, she was very compelling in the first season of Critical Role because you had a character who was directly tied uh, to the Raven Queen, and so um, she became more important as a consequence. As happens in most D&D campaigns, certain gods tend to rise in prominence above the others by sheer fact that a player is connected to them. Right. Uh, the same was true last season, and I think a lot of people really liked the mystery surrounding her, and the idea of here, here is a god of death who is... Um, if not benign, at least not evil.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really fascinating take on, because so mm-hmm. much of Dungeons & Dragons has been about, like, if you're a god of death, you're necromantic, you're evil, blah, blah, yeah. blah, and yeah. then here is this this at least positive way of thinking about the finality
2: of death. Exactly. Um, and things like undeath or aberrations in the minds of Raven Queen worshippers and things like that. So there's, there's interesting conflict. You always have undead showing up in a campaign somewhere, and if you're a Raven Queen worshipper, you've got to an issue with that, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and the Raven Queen was a, a new edition for the fourth edition Pantheon, right? That is correct. Yes. Were you involved
2: in the? Yes, p- uh, there was a. Um, here's a here's a bit of interesting lore. So at the at the dawn of fourth edition, before we released any products, we had two committees put together. One whose focus was on rules, and the other focus on world design and sort of what the cosmology should be. And I was part of the latter group with folks like James Wyatt and mm-hmm. Rich Baker. And uh, we sat down uh, upon request to create... We, we were asked to create a, a pantheon that could sort of serve as the default pantheon. And in doing so, we didn't want one as big as some of the other pantheons that had been created for earlier worlds like the Forgotten Realms and Greyhawk, which have dozens if not hundreds of, of deities right. pantheons. So we really wanted to narrow it down as much as we could. And we, we either picked gods who were representative of core concepts like creation or justice uh, if we felt they existed. And we tried to go outside just the human spectrum. So that's how we ended up with Moradin on the mm. list and Bahamut. Traditionally, they're worshipped by dwarves and dragons. But we were building a, a mythology where you, it didn't matter what the god was, its worshippers could be anybody. And as we were fleshing out the list, we realized there wasn't really a a particularly compelling god of death who wasn't some just evil force. And James Wyatt was actually the one who concocted the Raven Queen. Interesting. Yes, um, to fill that hole and to create somebody who was a god of death who was uh, mysterious but not evil.
0: And it was, you know, fascinating for, for Matt Mercer, so that, that's why he brought it forth yes. and, yeah. and yeah, uh, ended up, and then you're yeah. right. Everybody
2: loves ravens, right? Yeah, yeah. No, right? They're so weird. And it
0: was uh, Liam O'Brien's character, Vax, right? Mm-hmm. That was the one mm-hmm. that was a devotee of, yeah. of the Raven Queen Correct. in Campaign 1. Yes. Um,
2: how was that resolved for him? It didn't work out for him. <laughs> yeah, I was just going <laughs> to well, say. Actually, it may have worked out perfectly for him, I
0: think, <laughs> actually. <laughs> I think the but, player, yeah. yeah, he was happy to, <laughs> yeah. to see yeah. it go away. But
2: Vax is with who he should be. That's yeah. <laughs> fascinating. All right, so then
0: how does the Raven Queen, other than how you mentioned, how does that uh, uh, pertain to uh, um, campaign two and, and how the stories have been going on there?
2: Well, I mean, like I said, different players have sort of sh- maybe shifted the uh, Matt's focus on the gods. I, and I, I have no idea where season two is going, where the, where the gods will take them. Um, but uh, there's...
0: Other gods that have come to the forefront.
2: Yeah, there are there are others have like like I said, Rai has array has come to the to the forefront and stuff like that. Uh, there are also um, I, I know there's allusions to some of the betrayer gods uh, coming yeah, up. So and... Talk
0: about the betrayer gods. What? Who? How do they fit into this cosmology?
2: So, they are uh, the betrayer gods are deities who strayed from the ideals sort of set down by the gods in the early conceptions of the world and they embrace destructive chaos. And uh, unlike, the other, unlike the ones I mentioned earlier, these ones don't tend to work together very well. They, seem, they pursue individual interests, and mm-hmm. they're just evil. Different shape, like chaotic, neutral, lawful, whatever, but they're evil. Yeah. Um, this, this lack of ability to cohere into an actual pantheon is sort of their fundamental weakness and why the prime deities can sort of stay above them and prevent... Do their best to try to prevent incursions uh, by betrayer gods through the divine gate, and so on and so forth. Uh, so the betrayer gods are like Cobra, that they're so they're always in that, fighting. Yeah, yeah. Or they're 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 getting their worshippers. They're encouraging their worshippers to do terrible things. Right. Uh, and and so they include uh, such luminaries as Asmodeus, uh, uh, Grumpsh, Lolf, Therizdin, um, Bane. Torog, who was one of the Dawn War 4th edition deities, sort of mm-hmm. this, this uh, evil force of torture that lives underground. That's sort of come up in the campaign um, with the, the eaters of the worm and other kinds of creepy stuff that Matt has introduced. Uh, Zaheer and Vecna, who uh, oh. who appeared at the end of last season and whose presence uh, lingers on. Um, has
0: Vecna ascended to, to being a... Yeah, deity. Yeah,
2: at this point in 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 Alexandria, he he she it is a full on deity. Interesting. Yeah, and Um, and was in the fourth edition Dawn War Pantheon too. Just to be clear,
0: right? I do remember that. Yeah. 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 Uh, Yeah. Always always nice to get an elevation. Yeah.
2: (laughs) But I wonder what the commandments of Vecna are. Hmm. What are the
0: commandments of Vecna?
2: So, as you know, Vecna, the whispered one, thou shalt not say his name, although we've said it multiple times I already. Mean, yes. <laughs> but we're already screwed, right? Also, um, Voldemort, just yeah. to make sure we're, 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 we're covering all of our bases. Yeah. Uh, so, um, his commandments are, learn all you can and keep hidden that which you know. Mm. Reveal what pieces you must, but never the whole. Uh, express and cultivate the evil within yourself, and in doing so, recognize it in others and exploit them for your own benefit. And finally, seed the ruin of all who worship other deities until only those who kneel before Vecna remain. Yeesh. Yes.
0: What about, uh, what about Torag, uh, since they made one that's less familiar uh, to yes, people? Ah, the,
2: the, uh, yes, the crawling king. Crawling king? Mm. Yes, he's, he's this three-armed, worm-like thing that, that burrows through the Underdark, essentially, or the underworld, probably more properly. Gross. Although he is manifest in the world of Exandria in a number of ways, including this... Um, Worm-like entity that spawns all sorts of badness. Is uh, that
0: is that reminiscent of Caius and the sons of Caius, or is that it... is a
2: fair question? Um, so Torog was created whole cloth for fourth edition, again to sort of fill a niche in the pantheon—a sort of um, elder evil, a horror of the depths, yeah. kind of thing. Um, so it was not spiritually bound to Caius in any way, shape, or form, but. There's definitely sort of an overlap conceptually. Right. Um, but but where, where Caius is more like the rotting corpse, the, the putrescence uh, that inevitably that follows death. Yeah. Um, Torog is more about shackled in the darkness, torture, imprisonment, and doom. So
0: less about, less about undeath and, yeah. and more about just, hey, by the way, you're going to not like yeah. where you are <laughs> exactly. right now.
2: Exactly. You're going to have a miserable existence <laughs> and, and enjoy it for eternity. So his commandments, its commandments are, seek and exalt places where no light touches. Mm. Revel in the pain you inflict on others and relish the pain you suffer yourself as an offering to Torog. And then imprison those who cannot resist you and drag all life into darkness. Man. He is not a happy dude. Yeah, there not is something dude.
0: there's something really powerful about these commandments, I have to yeah. say, because, you know, you can read about, you know, how how deities manifest and what their their portfolios are all the time, but there's something about having it be this actual command yes. in a commandment form that you really just gets at the heart of like what how they're different from each other, but then how you can use it in your game.
2: Yeah. There is this sense in in Wildmount that people know that the gods are sort of held at bay Mm -hmm. uh, in their sort of self-imposed nature. And because of that, because of that distance, what has happened is there have naturally arisen powerful mortal creatures who have tried to stand in for gods on the world. Um, And Matt calls them lesser idols. And they are like false idols. They're not true gods. Mm -hmm. But they are very, very powerful creatures or beings that can be fought and do have worshippers. And a lot of those are codified um, in this campaign setting as well. And they're all new. They're all born out of Matt's wonderfully twisted imagination. That's pretty um, fantastic. So they're yes. like,
0: they're like uh, um, what we might have called lesser deities yeah. in the past, yes. but, but they're, they're here on on the mm-hmm. plane of the material.
2: Exactly. One of them who gets a lot of mention is uh, Okotoa. Okotoa. And he's, that name has popped up uh, repeatedly in season two it is basically a leviathan the sea monster mm. that uh was was w- worshipped by these people called the kinao um who basically um were taken with him for uh, taken with okotoa because okotoa destroyed their enemies mm. and so oh, oh great okotoa <laughs> we now yeah. kneel before you and don't eat us please um
0: Now we're going to destroy a lot more people than just your enemies. Yeah, exactly.
2: Uh, In Okotoa's case, things have not gone well for it lately. It has been basically trapped under the ocean and is trying to break out, uh, but can sort of telepathically or um, supernaturally reach out from beyond its confines. And uh, there is a, a serious danger that it could just... It's for the DM to decide at what point this creature will resurface and become a menace to... Uh, all the islands and coastlines of of Wildmount, and then there are other ones. Uh, um, let's see, what's one of my favorites? Let's talk about uh, uh, Quajoth.
0: Quajoth, yes. Let's do that. Let's do it.
2: Uh, the mystery... This is the worm thing I was talking about earlier. Yeah. The mystery of whether Kwajoth is a creation or the direct progeny of Torog is unknown, but the deranged gargantuan worm creature that scouted the Crawling King's advances in the Calamity was thought to have been slain in the ferocious final battles, leaving a sizable portion of its wounded body behind, a slimy fragment of Kwajoth burrowed deep beneath the surface and slumbered in the cold earth under Iselcross to recover and regrow. Um... And just to jump ahead a little bit, there are these uh, humans who live in the cold reaches of Eisel Cross who found this worm entity in the depths of this cavern network and started to eat its flesh. Mm. Um, food being, you know, relatively hard to get. Yeah. And... Um, did that cause
0: curses or... or yeah, so it what it
2: does is uh, when you eat kwajath 's flesh, quajath uh, becomes inside of you Mm. and can basically talk and see through you Ah. so you become this kind of weird puppet creature uh that kwajroth can use to kind of experience the world that it has left behind Um, and it doesn't exert its control over you all the time either so you may be fully fine and then you kind of black out for a while and you suddenly realize you're in a different place and doing something different you're like what just happened oh gosh yeah, it's I do kind of, not like that. Yeah, yeah, that just messed up.
0: Yeah, it is messed up because then yeah. you can, as a dungeon master, you can use that very yeah. evilly.
2: Yes, and of course, uh, I, I always imagine Matt cackling with glee when he writes sentences like Quajoth's recovered body resembles a monstrous, muscular worm of folded, bulbous skin covered in tooth-like scales. Its jagged mouth, surrounded by a ring of pointed teeth, with a thrice forked tongue bearing its I- three ivory eyes. <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> okay. Right. That says all kinds of wrong.
0: I think I think you're the only person, Chris Perkins, who could read that with like an audible smile on your face <laughs> as you're reading it.
2: <laughs> god, players are gonna hate this. I yeah, love that. I
0: love it. Oh my god, that's fantastic! All right, well, there's tons of uh, you know detail on the deities in uh, Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount. Uh, one way thing that I always like to ask as we're, as we're closing out this segment is how can Dungeon Masters take what's in this and apply it to their home games or, or if you're going to set it in uh, an Exandria campaign?
2: Well, I mean, and, and what Matt recommends is also what I recommend is you just plunder. Uh, you, you, you take it apart and keep what you want and jettison the rest. But uh, the way I tend to work with campaign building is to first just focus on what you need like you don't have to define an entire pantheon right out the gate, and you certainly don't have to tell the players what the entire pantheon is. Yeah. So if you need to change direction or if you want to insert something new, you can just kind of do that on the fly. So you can start off just focusing on the gods that are important to the players. If your player identifies that they want to worship a god of a particular type and you don't have that in your pantheon, you can just build one or reskin one of the ones that are here. Um, a lot of them are so... They're detailed in one sense, but they're also very broad conceptually. Uh, they have multiple hooks yeah. uh, to them or, or their portfolio is more than just one thing. And so you can kind of build off of that and say, well, Vondra isn't exactly what I need. I'm going to go maybe create a new god of change and luck. Or I might pull one from another world like Timora or, um, or something and use that instead. But I'll keep the commandments. Because right. I really like that. And that's just something I can give to the players, and I don't have to rethink or rewrite that.
0: And in some ways, that's what Matt did with, yes. with this setting. Is exactly. He took all the things that yes. you guys had uh, worked yeah. on for, yeah. for Fourth Edition and built it, and then changed it and modified it for his own uses, and then focused on ones that yeah. players were, I mean, exactly what you're, what you're describing. I yeah. think that's really. In
2: my campaigns, I tend to think about the conflict that, that is brewing ahead in the campaign, and and if I have a player who worships a god. I will often think, is there a counteracting, is there another god who will oppose that god or whose worshipers will oppose that god? And then I'll just focus the campaign on those two gods. And I remember um, in some of my campaigns, I wouldn't even, I don't think my players even knew what the whole pantheon was at any given time because we were so just focused on the gods that, to which they were concerned about. Right. And in no Forgotten Realms campaign have I ever felt the need to give players the. Here's the
0: 25 gods that we're going to talk the about today. Here are yeah. the 200
2: gods well, right, uh, yeah. of Pharaoh of that, that you can mull over. It's, it's just too much and wholly unnecessary. Yeah. Huh, holy. Huh. Holy. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we tune out, or actually, I'll save that for later. Okay, I got the thing for later. But.
0: Yes, we've got we've got lots of fun stuff to show uh, on future lore you uh, where we'll dive into a little bit more behind Alexandria uh, and Wildmount in particular, and maybe even get uh, some insight from the creator. Absolutely, excellent. If people want to ask you about uh, anything,
2: how could they get in touch with you? I am on Twitter at Chris Perkins DND. Excellent. Well, thanks for joining me and
0: talking about this, and we'll be back with some more fun lore soon. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Oh, man, I feel like I know a lot more That person
1: was really good. (laughs) They
0: they spent so much time (laughs) walking us through the amazing lore uh, that you all now know. Yep. It's in there. Yes. All right. Thank you for that. Um, I can't wait really to figure out what's going to happen with uh, with, uh, Drunky Two-Shoes and— Me too. And— Daryl, yeah. The quest for Daryl. Quest for Daryl. But before we do that, we have got to get to a little little thing. I unless, mean, just know, a tiny little. No interview. big whoop. Yeah. Emily Axford. Woo! Let's get her on the phone.
3: Okay. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here.
0: We're really excited. We're really excited. You are a uh, multifaceted performer mm-hmm. and writer.
3: Yeah. You got to be in this day and age, you know? People get bored of you real quick. You're
0: like a quintuple threat. You can sing, dance, ice skate, play D&D, and... At the same time, (laughs) cook a souffle.
3: No, I actually can't ice skate. I'm terrified of it.
0: (laughs) <laughs> it's one of your phobias, all right. We'll, yeah, we'll, so we'll only agree.
3: a quadruple threat, unfortunately. It
0: says here on your resume under special skills, ice skating. So okay, um, that was yeah. supposed to
3: be Spanish, which I also don't speak. So. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't either.
1: So what do we know? <laughs>
0: no hablo. Uh, no hablo
3: español. On Dragon Talk. Uh,
0: but no, people will most likely know you from not another D and D podcast, playing yeah, on maybe. Dimension Twenty. Yeah, uh, a little show that Shelley's my a big fan of. My favorite
1: show in the world, Hot Date. Oh, yes, on I Netflix. love hearing that! Oh my yeah. God, my my husband and I are um, obsessed. When we when <laughs> we we don't binge shows on Netflix though. We're the opposite. We're like, no, you can only watch it's one, and then we will wait a <laughs> few That's days a really and we will watch. Smart way to be. We savor them.
3: Cause then sometimes if you binge a show, it goes in and out. I have memory problems, so me too. you know it's good for me to take it slow. Yeah, <laughs> I
1: want to savor, savor every minute of it. It's so good. It's so good. And it took Thank me you. a really long time to figure out the connection, like between yeah. the um, Nad that Pod, was- Hot Date. Oh! The voices are similar. The, uh, nope, oh, these yeah. are. Those are. There's four really funny people in the world, but there's actually <sighs> just two. <laughs>
3: The same it keeps getting smaller, smaller and smaller. It does. It's I'm amazing. sorry. I have to. I'm actually also Brennan. Oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my god! And then he went black. All oh, right, No, uh, you're back. Okay.
1: Yeah, that was weird. I thought when you that took was weird, off your like mask, you, you took the mask off and the screen went dark. It was like a joker. <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> awesome.
0: So. How did your your, your uh, I was gonna say affair with with Dungeons and Dragons, but you know how how did that mm, begin? That's sexy. Yeah, yeah that's I know, right? Affair. Yeah, it yeah. was
3: affair because like the second I tried it, I was like, I want more of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I can't, I can't quit you. It was lusty. It was a lusty beginning for sure. My affair with Dungeons and Dragons began. So I had played. Have you guys ever played Call of Cthulhu? Yeah. So like wh- I had played that and was just like what is this form of hanging out that you can do with your friends? This is amazing. We are hanging out, but we're also silly people that we aren't really. (laughs) And, um, so then like, after that, I was like, I gotta play Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know anything about it. I gotta like, and I, I knew enough to know like I need to meet a DM. And so like (laughs) it was in my head for a while. I was like on the lookout for a DM and then at Siobhan Thompson's birthday party, um, years ago, uh, who is also in the dimension 20 cast uh i was talking to brennan who you had on last week and he mentioned D, which at the time seemed like oh, i can't i can't believe this came up but now i know that he talks about DD a lot so like <laughs> naturally it would have come up and i just cornered him and i was like i need you to dm a game for me <laughs> <laughs> i have bad. wanted to play this forever and then you know like Siobhan's one of my best friends murph was there it was literally just like it was like the party dwindled down to the people that then became our home game.
0: Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Was it in like a New York apartment that looked like friends as well?
3: Um, no, actually it was in it was in on like an LA rooftop
0: party. Ooh. Oh. Right? That's-, that's even swankier. That's cool.
3: I told you it was the lust it was a lusty affair. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so how long ago was that? Was that recent?
3: Maybe uh it probably would have been like Six years ago. Okay. Uh, I don't have a great concept of time. (laughs) But we've been been playing that home game for, I think, at least five years.
1: Wow. Wow, really? With the same
3: people? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Every every single December, we have, like, a cabin trip that we just play all weekend.
0: That's great. I've always wanted – I wish – you, know, I, you
3: host this show and you don't have that? No,
0: I know. I, I play all the time. I just don't have that like getaway moment. I think that would be uh, just ideal to have that, like, you know, do it just do yes. it all weekend long. You, you gotta know,
3: do it. You go out to a cabin, you all make breakfast and dinner together, you do Secret Santa. And <laughs> oh, I love For that. your characters. Your characters do the Secret
1: Santa. Right.
0: Here's your plus five sword of, do of you, slang.
3: <laughs> do you
1: really do that as your characters? Yeah. What sort of things do they gift each other?
3: I love this yeah, idea.
1: A plus
0: five sort of slang.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So <laughs> I definitely am like I hope that everyone because like a couple a couple of them are not performers so I'm like I hope they're cool with me just like talking about this on air. Um, I'll say for Brennan, one year got me a because I have a wolf familiar in that campaign and he got me a wolf hat that like lit up, which is really awesome. Oh yeah. Um and uh and then uh. My friend plays, like, a rogue who like, came from a, who, like, came from a casino family. So I got him all these, like, vintage poker chips and stuff like that uh, from that, that are named Tropicana because that's the name of the casino he comes from. <laughs> I don't know. It's just this kind of stuff, you know. It's cute. That's a good
0: idea. It <laughs> is a really good idea.
3: Yeah. I love it. So then yeah, how so. did –
1: because I also have, like, short-term, short-term memory issues. And mm-hmm. so it's, like, every day is a new day. I don't I know, know what You're, right? Memento. you're like, it is like Memento. It is like Memento. So it's I know we talked to Murph. No, we talked to Brennan, and I'm sure, like, these, this question was answered. But how does the – you're playing D&D six, five or six years ago, home game. Mm-hmm. How does it turn into a podcast?
3: How does it turn into a podcast? Okay, I can tell you. I may I don't know if Murph talked about this, but um, how it turns into a podcast is me – Um, another kid in the podcast and Murph had a video game, uh, a video game book club podcast where we read book adaptations of video games, highly labor intensive, not that many people listened, but it was very, very fun And we were like, you know, we would do like, we would do like, um, we would do epic sessions of, uh, reading like a Sonic adventure game book and like trying to beat it and stuff like that. And then from doing that, we were like, ah, like. Maybe we should do a D&D podcast. And we, like, asked the audience. And they were like, no, 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 keep reading full books and doing books. <laughs> and we were like, okay, cool, cool. And then um, our the fourth guy who's in it runs the podcast network. And he was like, hey, I really want to play D&D because uh, he knew that we play D&D. And then we were just like, okay, yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess no one wants us to do this D&D podcast, but I guess we will. <laughs> and then –
0: it One thing well. led to another, right. I mean, that's yeah. like where market research goes bad. Yeah. Where you're like, yeah. no, we don't want you to do anything that <laughs> had, will be really popular.
1: You had a very invested audience in re- the, hearing you read the book. So, yeah, I can see yeah. why they wouldn't want you to stray away from that. But we're glad <laughs> we you will
3: did. return. We will return to some of those very difficult children's Sonic Adventure game books someday.
1: Someday. Yeah.
0: yeah. I, I want to know how you would fare doing all of those things.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, being a Sonic adventurer. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I don't know if you listened to Brennan's interview, but he he quoted you, and he said something that I'm like, I'm going to make a note to ask her about this when we right. talk to, to help
0: with your short term memory. To help,
1: and I actually oh, did no. write it down because I have. But the, no, it's a good one. It's a really good. This one. is
3: the problem of having short term memory, though, or even like even performing and having short term memory, because half the times an episode comes out and everyone's like oh, my God, that was crazy that you said this. And I'm like, wait, what did, did I say? I? What, what context was that in? Is that okay that I said
1: that? <laughs> <laughs> it's probably good that you, you, are, you do improv a lot because you yeah. don't have to memorize a script.
3: I know. There you go.
1: <laughs> but he said that you had said when you play D&D, the memories that you have, I'm going to paraphrase, not that you'll okay. remember okay. saying it anyway, but uh-huh. that when you play D&D, the memories that you have from playing don't feel any different than the memories you have of doing something in real life. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, that was another. That was a very inspiring yeah. interview. Cause well, because like, it's w-
0: firing the same synapses in yeah, your brain.
1: But it's really. Yeah. I've never heard somebody like articulate that before. That I it, would
3: say it's a very it's a very dangerous line to walk. I mean, I'm sure that everyone experiences that, but like that means that when you have a great session, you walk around and you're like, I'm a. I'm a I'm a freaking hero. Like, but when you have a bad session or, like, when you didn't – we play, like, a teenage campaign, and it's, like, playing a teenager who, Mm. like, didn't get to say the thing they wanted to say to the person they have a crush on, all of a sudden you're back in, like, feeling – Feeling that ang- like teenage anxiety, yeah. and that's just like living in your adult self, and it so you know it's a double edged sword.
0: <laughs> I like that though, because then you're able to work through things that you can't you can't work through anymore, yeah. right? Like yeah, you absolutely. know, even if you know, even if the, the session might not be you know uh, up to your expectations, you know that like next week you can try to work on it and make it better and and work yeah. on it. Whereas in real life, you're like, you know, I don't think I want to call up you know my girlfriend from 25 years ago and. <laughs> Tell her how I really feel. <laughs> I feel like out of context, it wouldn't really be, yeah. have the same effect, would it?
3: <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe you should try it. You know, you should call that girl <laughs> and be like, hey, could you get into, a, like, a D&D campaign with me? Because, like, I have some <laughs> stuff I want to work out. We out. I just feel like stuff. this is a great way to do it.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm down if she is.
3: Yeah. Oh, here we go.
0: Oh, yeah, right. I'll call her up. Give her a call. Hey, uh... <laughs> well, Donahue... Ingrid... Good. <laughs> <laughs> we even talked in a long time. <laughs> uh, but do you still play D D? Okay, good. Did, a, she good.
3: D&D? Yeah, did she play D and D?
0: Probably. I don't think she ever did, but uh, I know she was interested in it. What do you
3: think she would have played?
0: Probably would have been a. Um, Wizard, because she was a uh, like an actual rocket scientist. She was like an astronomer scientist, like oh my super God, smart she lady. <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> but she not was. as beautiful as your wife.
0: Not as beautiful no. as my what wife. What would your wife play? She plays a turtle. She's been playing a turtle rogue in our in our game, uh, which is super okay. Good. You
3: did right. This yeah. is the wizard yeah. for the turtle rogue. <laughs> right,
0: right. Being able to clam up in your shell is, is very important.
3: At That's the right time,
0: so cute. it is fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, what's it like? I mean, I, 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 I did play with my wife recently in the last week, uh, but we don't. She's never really loved the doing it. Like, she's an actor and a performer, but she gets stressed out by uh, by improv and things like that. And she really? you know, because yeah. Well, it, are you guys
3: doing it in a performance context?
1: No, no.
0: no but just so she's nervous. About just, just, just around the table, she feels and, very, and
3: with like
1: new. It, also sometimes new people or me, who's like, again, short-term memory issues, I'm like a new person every time I play. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, is that that rule? <laughs> what do I roll here again?
0: <laughs> right. Uh, so I've always been trying to figure out how to get her more comfortable in doing it. and what, I don't know, do you have any advice for, for oh God, how to work I. on that?
3: Yes, I do. And this is, I really think this is just like, this is like kind of the advice that they give you in improv, and I sort of backed into realizing that I do it in D and D all that. Like when we started not another D and D podcast, me and Murph had played a ton of D and D had played a little bit and Jake had played not a lick of it. And I going back and listening to old episodes, like my, I guess my strategy is very much an improv strategy, which is like, you just, they call it like giving someone a gift. So you just say like, Oh, like where'd you get, where'd you get that vest? you know, and then they're like, oh, this, yeah, okay, my character's wearing a vest, yeah, I am wearing a vest, I got it from my mother, you know, like, you just kind of, like, ask them questions, but you, like, you don't say, like, how are you, you say, like, you know, like, you just, like, give them little gifts, and then that Mm. sort of tends to involve people, obviously, that's me giving advice, like, ask, like, a fellow player, the DM, I'm sure it's entirely different, it's much more, like, Okay, what does their character care about, and then baiting them into coming out of their shell by coming up with something emotional enough that they don't even feel insecure, um, that they aren't even thinking about performing. But as a player, I usually just like try to like involve people, make jokes about them, you know, be like uh, set them up by being like doing a spell that buffs them or doing a spell that like, involves, like, a two-person combo or something like that or being like, you know what, I'm going to go talk to the witch. Hey, come with me, you know? Oh, yeah. So it's, like, just stuff like that. That's really like.
0: smart because I think uh, a lot of what happens is she gets, uh, like, she wants to look at her character sheet and be like, I don't understand how these things work. And she concentrates on that rather than mm-hmm. the the improv stuff, which is just, like, ask it about a detail, like, just start a conversation.
3: And yeah. then And then
0: the stuff's flow from that. Yeah. That's really And smart. usually,
3: like, and, and a lot of times it'll be, like, the per- like if someone's feeling shy, they might, like, and you're like, where'd you get that vest? And they're like, um, uh, Target. <laughs> and then everyone laughs because they're just like, okay, Target's real in this f- world now. And then, like, <laughs> and then that gets them out of their shell, and they're like, yeah, my vest is from Target. I'm funny.
0: <laughs> right? All right, so yeah. the note I'm taking is ask about vests.
1: <laughs> yes. All right. The vests will do it. The vests. You know, I'm wondering if... Could you play D anD D with a new player and not give them a character sheet? Yeah, because do you think the character sheet is what overwhelms people, like looking at all these tiny little numbers
0: and?
3: Yeah,
1: not- it could be.
0: What do you think?
3: I, I'm, I, I got to be honest. There's a part of me that, a part of me that, like, really, really, um, made my intro into dnd so lusty as i previously mentioned is the rolling so like i would think another thing that gets like new like shy players invested is like give them a bunch of roles give me a perception check give me this check give me an acrobatics check because then that person about our character like oh, your character all right like they they say they want to They're like, okay, you know, I actually, I'm going to dance to the violin music at the tavern. Cool. Give me a performance check. They roll poorly. You're a bad dancer. Cool. I know my character is a bad dancer (laughs) now, you know? So I feel like
1: the backstory.
3: And I also like, I love the gambling aspect of it. So, you know, I feel like the the numbers are fun because gambling is fun.
0: (laughs) Gambling is fun. Yeah. But I, I did, when I played with my, with my kids for the first time, they were like two and four, they were like super young. And I, you know they could barely read. That is read. so
3: cute. It is
0: very cute, but I didn't. I didn't. I didn't really have a character sheet. I just kind of gave them like, a, "You're good at fire, and you're you yeah. know <laughs> bad at dancing, or whatever it is." Like, and then just kind of had that in front of them and uh let it just be a little bit more like an improv game and that, that that's helps. what i'm
3: gonna do because my niece um I, her name is isis uh i'm 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 sorry uh but it, it's <laughs> are you just always been her name uh, it's just always an awkward thing too i mean look, look i'm probably on like no fly list and stuff like that just from texting about isis so much but <laughs> my niece my niece isis is uh this summer like sh- she's a 7 came up to me and Murph and she was like, like when we were at the beach house and she was like, I want to know more about d d We're like. Um. Did
1: she like whisper it to you? Was she yes.
3: Like, I want to know. Yes. She wants it to be her <laughs> secret thing that the other cousins don't get to know about. Oh. And so we're like, yeah. So then I was like, let's make you a character. And she got so into character creation, but she was like, Maybe when I'm eight, we'll play. Oh. Like she wasn't ready to play yet. So for her eighth birthday, we're gonna go out there and like run our, our little game for her for the oh my first God, time that's for her, Which now she has two characters. I got a text the other day from my brother that was like, "Isis wants to know if she can have two characters and their sisters." And I was oh. like,
1: "Yeah." Oh, she she's always whatever. one. Of she's got an wants. amazing little backstory going on here. Is she an I only know. child?
3: Nope, she has two siblings. <laughs> she's the oldest, though. I think like whenever I hang out with her, she wants to be my sister. Oh. So I think she wants like an older sister. Or she wants like a sister who's a peer or something. But
0: that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah I thought th- I thought so she was trying to create a, a new younger sibling for herself because yeah, that's the no. thing. I d- she's
3: got a crazy younger sister. Well,
0: <laughs> oh, she's like, but I want a good one. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's this like, is even what it would, too wild. should be like. But that's really good advice to, like, make it kind of just improv. Because I, I think when I, like, if I do it for her, I don't know if I'll do it or Murph will run it. But pretty much every spell she tries to cast will work. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I know. I did this thing. and This was back when, that same session, when they were super young. And uh, there was a wolf coming at them. I was trying to, like, here's the one thing of tension I was going to do was a real snarling wolf, and I tried to describe it as scary as possible. And uh, my oldest, Edna, was like, I'm going to try and tame the wolf because I like pets. And I was like, all right. <laughs> and yeah, I was, like, trying to really sell it. like this, You're going to die unless you, you know, try to fight this thing. And she's like, I'm going to try and tame it. And she brought out some rations and was going to try to give it food. I'm like, roll your d20. And fully uh, assuming she was going to fail and then we were, you know, going to get from there. She rolled a nat 20, and I'm like, well, crap. You tame this wolf, and it is your best cool. friend now it's forever.
3: Its slick right. back, and you can tell its demeanor is now polite. Ooh. Yeah, and it starts <laughs> or,
0: or, and you start eating the food, and I, I just and you could see her face, even though the tension was there because she certainly was like, "What is this going to end up being?" But like her face melted at the fact that she now had a pet that she could love and hold yeah. and, and snuggle. So that was when worth my- it.
3: When my mom played, because like my dad loves D&D, and we play with my dad. Um, and actually, the rest of my family loves D&D. But my mom doesn't really like d d because she doesn't want to hurt people. So the first oh, time yeah. that we played with her, she was like, I just want to play someone who heals people. I don't oh. want to hurt people. <laughs> so she was a really polite cleric, but you could tell that she was deeply uncomfortable with it the whole time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All the slaying yeah. and burning yeah. and death.
1: That's, every every party needs a cleric. It's that's good. I'm glad that she's yeah. there. Does yeah. she? Uh, clerics
3: is, are pretty pretty badass, and they can really cause some damage too. <laughs> yeah.
1: Is she? Um, would she be okay if it was like monsters and not? people or like cute wolves if it was just like a beholder I think
3: I think she is the kind of person who <laughs> I don't think there's anything she would be cool with killing <laughs> I it. think she would be in for the redemption story of like a knoll. <laughs> so oh. yeah
1: so when I played D&D with my mom and dad and my dad was deeply disturbed by how much my mom wanted to kill things.
2: <laughs> it's the exact yeah. opposite.
1: Like, she was a dwarf. She was just like, I'm like, okay, you guys, you're in a tavern. She's like, who am I going to kill? What, <laughs> is he looking at me? I yeah. he look? I'm going to get it. My dad's like, what are we doing here? Like, we're just talking.
3: <laughs> yeah. That wow. was kind of like my sister because my sister's like a human rights lawyer. But, like, her character, she was like, I want to play— a warlock tiefling, <laughs> just, like, all out, like, the most, like, different than her real life.
1: Yes. I feel like people, either just they like, go, like, complete opposite of who they yeah. truly are, or they find a character that's very, very much like them.
3: Yeah.
1: There's really no middle ground there. You're either playing someone <laughs> that you're not, or you want to be, or or yourself, but, like, a really cool, heroic, magical version of yeah. yourself. Yeah.
0: yeah. Was the first character that you created, was that, like, a... Uh, a um, like a power fantasy for you?
3: Um, the first character I created was a radical vegan gnome druid.
1: Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> so
3: <laughs> it was an expression of, of something deep in my soul, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Are you a radical vegan?
3: <laughs> no, but I desperately wish I was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that makes so, sense. Uh, yeah. Why gnome? What was, what, was, what was your affinity with the gnomes?
3: Thought it sounded cute as hell. Oh. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm curious what what character did your um, your niece was it your niece? Wait, now short term memory.
3: Yeah, Isis. no, no, no. What Me- did she, my
0: niece, she You remembered created, Isis. That's good. She
3: wanted. I actually because I because like my character for not another D and D podcast is a druid, and she wanted to do a druid. Oh, cute. She she wanted to do a druid elf, which is exactly what my character is, and she named her Woodland, like W O O D L I N D. And she had hair that looked like um, changing the changing leaves of fall. Oh, she made that and she up. Had, yes, she, this all just like poured from her. And she had a I believe a squirrel companion named Rabbit or something huh. like that.
0: Like you do, love <laughs> it. Yeah,
3: that's perfect. Yeah. Huh. yeah,
0: done it. And then and then her alter ego is the Warlock tiefling. <laughs> that's the other that's <laughs> side this. of the coin. The sister.
3: Oh no no no! That that's my literal sister in real life. That oh. My oh, that's sister right. is like a very righteous person who wanted to play just an evil tiefling.
1: <laughs> you got to get it out somehow. Like I you know. spend all day being so good, right? I want
0: to bash some monsters.
1: Yeah, I want to make yeah. some packs with demons. You know? Ooh, yeah.
0: <laughs> so you mentioned that you're not sure if if you're gonna run it or uh, if Murph is. Are you, have you been uh, a dungeon master in some aspects? I have DM'd.
3: Once in my life. How did it go? Very recently. Honestly, I was really bad. But I know all the ways that I was really bad. And uh it was still fun. <laughs> so I definitely am excited to to try again.
1: Who who but did you DM for?
3: I DM for Brennan okay. and my friend Siobhan and uh Caldwell who's in on another D and D podcast and this guy named Murph, I think. Oh yeah. <laughs>
1: Did, so what when you said you know all the ways that you were bad
3: yeah like what, um here's here's the first thing I did wrong I am such a player focused character or like like a, I'm always like I'm I am I'm so player focused that all of them were like oh, can we be this level? And I'm like, yes, you can. And they're like, oh, if we could be just one level higher, I could do this cool thing. And I was like, cool. And the level kept getting higher and higher until they were level seven. So my very first game was just running like like encounters for level seven characters when I've never run an encounter in my life. Ah, yes. (laughs) Um, So that was probably a mistake. And then I also, I think I also... You know, like you always hear people say, oh, it needs to be a sandbox. It's a sandbox, Um, which is very cool, but it means that I spent so much time creating this massive world for one little, one little thing. And so when it came down to they just did a fraction of what I planned, <laughs> and the things, because I planned so much, the things that they actually did, I was like, oh, okay, cool, yeah." oh no, how, now how do I do that? <laughs> so I just kind of like overplanned and made it way too high of a level. But it was also still really fun, so it's also kind of fun to be like um, not good at something.
0: <laughs> to challenge yourself. Yeah, yeah, and to try yeah. new things, right, Shelley? Yeah, I guess.
3: <laughs> I, I'm a
1: scared dungeon master because I had a hey. bad experience too. But I did not find it fun nor excited to try again.
2: Sigh. <laughs> <laughs> who, when I
3: was in college, I <laughs> when I was in college, I did stand up comedy. Um, and I pretty much did it because the first time I did it, I was really bad. And I was like, what a rush to suck at something. Ooh, wow. <laughs> so then I just kept doing it because it felt like, no, 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 I think I can do this. I need to prove to myself that I can do this. So I, I think I got a, a little bit bit by that, like, by that, like, no, 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 I need to, I need to prove to this, uh, circumstance which, which bested me that I can best it.
0: Mm, I need a little of that. Yeah. yeah, can you can you bottle some of that gumption and, and send, it, <laughs> send it our way? <laughs>
3: yeah, I absolutely
0: can. It's highly alcoholic. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's actually just Tito's, Tito's vodka. <laughs> it's Tito's
3: vodka.
1: Weird, this gumption tastes like vodka. <laughs> I
0: know, right? Well, and, and there's some orange juice in and it, it
1: too. I can feel the effects happening already. <laughs> Did
3: the players we, help you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's why it was so fun. It was, I also, I don't know if it was a mistake to do it for my three DMS. Like I, like, I wanted to do it because it's like these three DMS that I've worked with, I have had so much fun playing in their worlds. Like I want to give back, but at the same time there was a mistake in that because suddenly I'm DMing for like the people that I've looked up to this entire time. And so it's like, oh, God, oh, God, they know everything I'm doing wrong. They know everything I'm doing yeah, yeah, yeah. wrong. That's, like, my biggest
1: fear. <laughs> everyone's just going to know, like, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong.
3: Wait, so like, what that's, has of your course. experience been, Shelly?
1: <laughs> I tried. I don't even know why. I think I was, like, writing an article about, like, how to become a dungeon master when you don't know anything. And I experimented, okay. and uh, it went very poorly. It was, like, the nicest people.
3: How did it, how did it go poorly?
1: Oh uh, Similar to you, I over I overplanned. But I yeah. I didn't – I over – in my mind, I was like, this is what happens, and then this, and then this, and then yeah. that. And then when we started and they didn't do what I thought they were going to do initially, everything mm-hmm. fell apart because I didn't yeah. have a backup plan. Like, I, I said, you will go right, and they were like, actually, we're going left. And I'm like, I don't know what's to the <laughs> left, and I don't want to play anymore.
3: And you're like, cool, um – a desert landscape approaches you, <laughs> and you all fall nothing. in
1: quicksand <laughs> and die. Yeah, and I just like completely forgot how to do any sort of checks. Um, I didn't know like to, to ask them like if when they were like, "Can I do this?" I'm like, "I don't, I don't really know." Mm, <laughs> like, I just forgot everything it and sounded then, yeah. like you
0: were bombing at stand up and it yeah. just got worse and worse and worse and yeah. you weren't really sure what to do but
1: unlike Emily I was like I am never doing this again I am a grown ass woman and nobody can make me be a dungeon master bye no
3: it's good you know what you should look at it as like oh my gosh part of my brain has a chance to get bigger there's a part of my brain I mm. haven't been using and yes. it is weak and I have a chance to take it to the freaking gym. Uh, I'm,
1: you I mean, go to the gym a lot
0: more than anybody I else do. does that I know.
1: Um, so, shh, in case like our bosses are listening, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're always at the
1: gym. No, i are not. Hours. By the gym, you mean like that conference room where I'm diligently working.
3: <laughs> yes, yeah, like yes, giving my fingers a workout e- on my computer.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I do that all the time. So, I'm like, the kind of person like, we, I was never really good at sports. I'm not coordinated. And in high school, like we had to play softball. And it was like I would go to school with like the anxious stomach. I'm like, I'm going to have to swing a bat today. And I always struck out because I can't hit a ball with a bat. I just can't. And I can't catch uh-huh. a ball. And it was like I said to myself, I'm like, you're 14 now. but My God, one day you're going to be an adult and you, <laughs> nobody can make you play softball. And I'm like, you're right, Shelly. Future Shelly, nobody ever is going to make me play softball. And I think I had the same experience with that horrible dungeon mastering that I was like, guess you're just a player. And Damn you never for me. have. To-
3: Shelly, DM for me because I will bring so much. Emily, I almost couldn't
1: talk to you on this interview.
3: (laughs) Here's the thing. Maybe, you know what? Maybe your players weren't supportive enough because I'm sitting in the room with a first time DM. I am, my spirit is there. I'm there 150%. I'm asking all the questions,
0: snapping all the fingers. You're like,
3: snapping all the fingers. (laughs) I'm making sure that you're feeling good. DM for me. You'll feel better. Okay. <laughs> I will. I'm going to do that.
0: We're going to do it at D&D Live 2020.
1: D&D Live on the stage in front
3: of <laughs> thousands
0: With <laughs> lots of lights. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. No pressure at all. No. No.
3: Yeah, I would say definitely don't do it live. You know? no, I feel like <laughs> that's actually,
0: that's yeah. exactly the right place for me to do it. Did you I mean going back because uh your your experience you were talking about with doing stand-up and bombing and, 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 yeah. and working on it hard, that feels a lot like dungeon mastering to me now. Like I I, I did stand up for that's a couple it. of years and like but I'd like that rush of having you know, it's not you know, the lot tons of people that would be at clubs or anything like that, but there is those four or five people around you that are just waiting for you to be awesome, you know, yeah. right? And they're like, all right, tell me, tell me the cool thing so I can laugh and have fun with my friends. And yeah. if that doesn't, you know, if it doesn't, you don't meet those expectations, I, I understand the, the pressure there. Yes. But how yeah. do you, how, and did it feel similar when you were Dungeon Mastering?
3: Yes, I felt so, like the, maybe the scariest part was like, even just whenever it was time, if it was like, cool, okay, we're going to do that. And I'm like, okay. Now it's time for me to narrate them going to do that. Yeah, None of them are going to talk. It's just going to be me talking. <laughs> I'm just going to talk for a minute. And these four people, who I love with all my heart, are going to look at me. <laughs> 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 like, it was like, it, it was kind of, it was the rush of like, I'm terrified. But like, I have to do it. Like, maybe like the foot on the tightrope feel.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that because you, d- you know, it's a lot less stakes. Than, than actually being in front of, you know, people at a in a, in a club or something like that. but
3: That's, yes. Yeah. yeah, and that's definitely true. It's like stand-up, it's like if you <laughs> did poorly, like no one was rooting for you. But like when I was DMing for my closest friends, you know, surprisingly they were rooting for me.
0: Yeah. Surprisingly. Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> so that's the thing, like as a player, I never sit down at the table and like feel like, Come on, dungeon master. What you master. got,
0: DM? What are
1: you going to do for I me know. today? Like, I'm always That's just like, I'm saying. oh, I'm so grateful that you're here to tell me a story and that you're yes. willing to like do this amazingly like, difficult job. I'm never yes. like, I've never had an expectation that it's all on the dungeon master and that I'm going to be really pissed off if I yes. don't have fun.
3: Yeah, that's the thing is like, like, yes, me feeling anxious of, okay, now I have to narrate them doing this. This is terrifying. I'm going to take up space and they're all going to get bored while I talk. And yet, when it's the flip side, I'm just like, Oh, this is narration. (laughs) I'm in. Everything you say is fascinating. (laughs) Tell me about this new room we just walked into <laughs> are there velvet drapes is there a decanter of wine you
0: really are <laughs> thirsty for DD <laughs> <laughs> i am yeah
3: <laughs> I, so
1: do you think there would ever be like a crossover like it's first of all it, will there be more hot date <laughs>
3: um, we do have we have a second season um that went on pop tv and i don't no, I'm assuming it's going to go on Netflix okay. because I think that uh, Netflix was happy with it. So I'm assuming it's going to show up on Netflix. I hope so. <laughs> um, will
1: there ever be like d and D hot date episode?
3: Okay, this is so funny because we wrote one for season one, and they were they were like, "What is Dungeons and Dragons?" Oh, and we were like, what? so we changed it to be like a game of werewolf. Oh, it, it was like it's like basically like we wrote it to be we wrote it to be this episode about like uh the Merv and Emily characters at a dinner party at like a board game night uh, like a game night with a new couple who was like going through a breakup and how they like oh. accidentally like make this character break up. It was supposed to be about we tried to do like a D and D adjacent, like we were like coming up with like you know d and D adjacent, but not copyrighted specifics um but uh the notes we got were what is this
0: <laughs> really so we
3: changed it to be sort of like a sort of like a werewolf parallel because i think at the time that we were writing it more people it was also like we were writing this like so long ago that oh. like i don't think dnd was having uh the visibility that it is now
0: but werewolf was. I know. I'm like, what well, like, they got werewolf? Yeah, niche, That's more. Niche I think.
3: Than- I think that like Hollywood executives love werewolf. <laughs> so we were able to get away with that. They're like,
0: hey, it's Twilight and True <laughs> yes, Blood. Exactly. I get, I get werewolf. <laughs> yeah, we can
1: understand that. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Maybe that's what so, it was.
3: Yeah, we did try to do that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, bring it back. Yeah, you might have to. Maybe you could just.
1: Dump now, that one Now
3: I think we could have made it happen. Now
1: for right? sure.
0: Yeah. And we'll give you permission. I'm pretty yes. sure we can give you guys permission to yeah. use it.
1: We'll even send you, you, you products to, to use on set. Oh,
3: my God. Thank you. Yes.
0: Thank you. <laughs> you. Your video froze for a little while, and all we saw was your...
3: <laughs> or did it freeze, or did I just hold that pose? You are that
0: good. God, you are a quintuple threat.
3: <laughs> yeah, becoming a statue is the fifth one.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh my god, Tito froze.
3: Wow. <laughs> oh, you He tricked me,
0: right? Ooh, I'm pretty worried. good. I've been practicing. I was
1: super worried. Yeah. <laughs> so, let's tell us about the characters that you you play in all of these different podcasts.
3: Okay. Um, in the in not another D&D podcast, I play a character named Moonshine Sybin, and she is a Circle of Spores Druid. Um, we made her when it came out on Unearthed Arcana. So she's like an Unearthed Arcana Circle of Spores Druid. Um she's uh also a Crick Elf, which is basically uh sort of a um hillbilly elf. Um I grew up with a Crick in my backyard, uh and so I kinda just took a lot of those specifics and turned it into sort of a uh freckled, rough around the edges hillbilly elf. Um you say crick, you mean
0: like creek? That's that's Oh, like a, yeah, like creek? that's what a
3: crick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's like a, a little body of water, but I don't know. In some regions, people just call it a crick. Mm. Yep. So, yes, She's so a crick
0: You grew up with a crick? Cricks and creeks.
3: <laughs> oh, really?
0: Because crick is more southern?
1: <laughs> I think so. I, I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, I'm from upstate New York. I'm from
3: upstate too. New York. Me too. It has this, like, little – yeah, upstate New York has this kind of, like – Southern, has like these kind of like almost southern pockets to it that are a little yeah. rougher around the edges. Where sure. did you grow up? I grew up outside of Albany, New York.
1: Oh, I grew up in Binghamton.
3: Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. We both had state schools. Yes. Exactly.
0: SUNY SUNY Albany.
3: <laughs> we both- <laughs> yeah. Yes.
0: I was born in Syracuse, New York. So um, yeah, there's like so this, okay. this weird, wow. you know, Good Bermuda. Not new-
3: a state school, but yet another yep. college. In not Africa, a state new school. York. That's true. So <laughs>
0: yeah, you yeah. it's- you're not
3: a state school. You're fancy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I did go to UConn. That's pretty much a state school okay, in right. Connecticut, I guess.
3: What um, else? Trying and to then- fit in.
0: Trying to fit in.
3: A transparent attempt to fit in. <laughs> <laughs> please,
1: please. please.
3: <laughs> um, and then my other characters are, I play, um, these are all like the sort of like performing characters. Uh, I play a bard that plays, uh, rock and roll. Uh, she plays the bass, uh, she's a tiefling. Yeah. Um, and she's just kind of like a spicy little teenager. Um, and then I also play in another campaign with Brennan, I play uh, sort of a Fran Drescher style.
0: She did it again. She froze halfway Uh, through. So
3: she's kind of just like, "Did I? Sorry." Um, I'll try and give you guys really good facial expressions so it It works. It works really good.
0: (laughs) You were like mid Fran Drescher.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah. So I yeah, I play a, a Fran Drescher drunken monk. She's basically like a a a divorcee from Staten Island who's uh. Uh, Kicking ass.
0: <laughs> What's it like playing the music? Because uh, you know, I want to do. Are you writing music? Or are you? Are you oh, yeah. uh, uh, singing along as when you're the the bard?
3: Oh, when I'm the bard, no. I well, I mean, I kind of just like usually before I go have a session, like I listen to a bunch of Primus because Primus is like real good, like bass driven rock.
2: A lot of
0: slap. <laughs> so it, like, into yep.
3: the zone. But I usually just kind of like mime it, and then like. Like, you know, usually it'll just turn into chaos and then I'm like, fake whips out her bass, Then I'm like, thunk, 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 you know?
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, but I do write the music for not another D and D podcast, but that's separate.
0: Oh yeah. How does that, I, I, have you always been writing music or is that something, a new skill?
3: Um, it's a skill that I, I used to always write weird little albums, just as like a creative outlet for emotions. um, but uh, yeah, then once we started doing not another D and d podcast, it was like Murph was like, "I just like I don't have the right song for this moment," and I was like, mm, "I think I could write it," and then we just now I've written just hundreds of songs for it. Wow. <laughs> so that's yeah, amazing.
1: <clears throat> so that's like the songs to like like punch up a moment in the in that happens in the game.
3: Yeah, like usually it'll just be like. <clears throat> And now like I'll, I'll sort of when we're playing I'll be like ooh this is a good this is a good moment I want to write music for this but you know it'll be like a it, mostly we're a very very goofy podcast but there will be some serious moments that all that you know it just really kind of like helps sell a moment to have some music yeah. behind it
0: yeah, exactly. kind of like the, the
3: more emotional moments or things it'll or to like make things way scarier also i really like writing spooky and scary music or to like make things like the stakes really high it's usually like mert will introduce some really crazy monster and i'll come up with some like really creepy or really intense track or it'll be like one of the characters has like you know has a i don't want to give anything away so i'm choosing my words carefully one of the one of the characters has a, has a closure for something bad that happened, and I'll write something sad and sweet or, you know, stuff like that. I grew up watching a lot of Final, or playing a lot of Final Fantasy VI and was obsessed with the soundtrack, so it's pretty much me writing Final Fantasy music. <laughs> That's <is> really cool. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like uh, creating a score for, for an improv yeah. game. Uh, yeah. I love that. Yeah, uh, it's it's much harder to do that on the fly. But I've I've been really experimenting. Oh, yeah,
3: I don't do it on the fly. No, let I make know. Clear. Yeah. Okay, I'm not like sitting in the room
2: <laughs> noodling
3: <laughs> while he <proposing>. plays. <laughs> Also, that would be so distracting for the other players and so difficult to edit around.
0: <laughs> we have had a guy. It was uh, uh, with the Dragon Friends. I was podcast. just thinking, trying yeah, to figure out, remember it was who that at was? One of our events, and he was. Uh, his name was Benny, and uh, that was the thing was that he, there was you know really? s- four, five or six people playing, but then he was on the keyboard in the background, and he just you know he great, he, he yeah. had the improv skills where he could do something dramatic, a stinger. He could do yeah. more creepy like background music. He could go real quiet and go real loud. Yeah. And it added this, like, kind of, you know, performancey type feel to it. Kind of like someone, the uh, the piano player, playing uh, the music behind the uh, silent films, you know, era. You know, yeah. Like, always doing that.
3: And as a performer, it's really fun to have music. Like, Brennan always does a such an amazing job DJing, which, like, look, Ever- Brennan Mulligan is a freaking insane DM. But one thing that he does amazingly that, doesn't even get talked about is he just has the best royalty-free music cues that he'll throw in and like he'll be describing something the most poetically creepy and then he'll start a freaking track that you're just like all right now i'm absolutely terrified i'm absolutely terrified (laughs) so he's also a great dj he's a great dj dm
0: that is a good skill to have yes yeah we uh we have a partner called sirenscape which uh has like an interface that you can use that Helps with a lot of that, and I've been experimenting with it. It's, really? It's really fun because you can be like, oh, here we're in the, you know, the sewers, and it has like a soundscape that you can go- be in, and then all of a sudden there's you know, dripping things, and there's goblins it in the background. just like another
3: thing to have on your plate. Yeah. It just seems like another crazy thing to have on your plate, though, when you already have so many little pages with oh, little yeah. creatures on
0: them. I'm not ready for that. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> Although the, I could just like sit
1: there DMing, <laughs> things go sideways, and I just like, turn on a track and just sit there. Well, hope you guys...
0: Figure this one out.
1: <laughs> Just explore the room, I guess. <laughs> 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 Just play some music.
0: I know. I talk to people who use other like players. Actually, can be a good uh, help for this. Like, or if, or like a co DM or something like that. Someone who's oh, like running the co DM. Yeah.
3: That's yeah. wild.
0: Yeah, it's it's that's taking shape a lot because there. You're, it almost takes two different skill sets, right? There's the person yeah. who's the good improviser and good. Uh, um, you know, voice actor and things like that. But then there's also uh-huh. the person who's got, like, the whole meta plot in their brain uh, yeah. to do things. And sometimes, you know, having two people share that can can help.
3: Ah, uh-huh. me and Murph should try. We're, you know, pretty much same brain from living together and working together and being around each other all the time. We probably could slide DM.
2: into that. Yeah, I not like
3: that, that he needs a co-DM, though. He's, he's a... a you know, beautiful bird who flies in the sky. So <laughs> I don't think he needs anything to weigh
0: him down. <laughs> I think his ears are burning from, you know, you're like, you're a bird.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> flying away.
0: Flying away. But that'd be really interesting to yes, see. Yes, it would. I mean, because obviously you're an awesome DM and getting better and, and he's an awesome DM oh, and getting no, worse. Oh, no, I'm a I'm I'm terrible
1: worse. DM. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> bringing him down. You know, honestly,
3: peak. I would say that I would say that I can't imagine he's so amazing. I can't imagine him getting better. So you're right. I think the only direction is down. Yeah, yeah. he's at
0: he's at the peak. He's <laughs> at the pinnacle, yeah.
3: Need right? <laughs> him halfway. No, he's gonna keep reinventing the game. That's what my husband's gonna do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> A great DM is only as great as their players.
0: That's right. Right. So you got to recruit some good players. Looks like you, Emily, is gonna be no, ready well, to, to well, play I with make you. You look good. I promise. My, okay. I'll
1: make you look good. <laughs> okay. I think if I had a co DM, I could do it.
0: Yeah, like, you actually were a co DM with me when. Uh, so we played about a, a week ago with some new players, and uh, I was telling her before that it was really useful to have someone being like, "I think that's a role that you can do to the other new players that are around," and it was it was fantastic. I didn't have to be the only. You know, I, I didn't feel, like, on the spot at all.
1: Okay, good. You didn't feel like, hey, mind your own business.
0: No, 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 okay. no. <laughs> this
3: <is> my story. <laughs> <laughs> Shelly, what did you play? What were you playing for this
1: This for is this my tabaxi ranger. Oh. Sh- <gasps> sure shot. Pa, pa, pa.
3: <laughs> I love her. That's so cute. Yeah,
1: I switched. I used to, be a, I used to play magic users exclusively, and then I realized mm, that, um, I know that it's problem. so easy to be a ranger. Like, you just Wait, fire but, okay. your bow.
3: What um what level were you? Did you have like a did you choose what type of ranger you were yet?
1: That's what we were first level.
0: Yeah, because it was new uh, people, okay. so I didn't want uh, to. Th- I didn't want to start with a seventh level. Uh, camp- yeah, <laughs>
3: yeah, because they were new. It's not a good idea. Because <laughs> suddenly you're running encounters that are really high, <laughs> way
0: complicated all of a sudden, and have yeah. lots of
3: lots of text underneath them. And suddenly you're like, oh man, I'm lust for just a bully walk. <laughs> <Right>.
0: <laughs> just give me a goblin that can mis- just.
3: Give me a mean goblin. I just want to play a mean goblin.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. So we were first level, but yeah it does get more complicated the, the, for rangers as with all the characters it as you just get seems, it's
3: a class that I, I think I'm intimidated by because I, I've I've seen a couple people play it and I've seen them kind of struggle to really nail although I have seen one person play a Gloomstalker ranger and clean house mm. <laughs> that was an insane that was an insane uh, type of ranger
0: you mean as is the, the amount of damage that they could do yeah yeah
3: it was cool <laughs>
0: It was awesome to watch. My first big character was uh, uh, in 3.5 era, and it was a half elf ranger who. (gasps)
3: 3.5 is what my first campaign was. Me too.
1: Yeah. That's what I learned on. Yeah. And
0: those rangers could kick ass. Like, I was doing uh, like six attacks around. I was doing like 150 points of damage over the course of the week.
1: At what level?
0: At like 22. Oh, because I got up there. 22, I've never.
1: What's the highest level you've ever played, Emily?
3: highest level. I, honestly a lot of my characters haven't really gotten that high. Probably Moonshine Syben is my highest that I've ever gotten to and she's level 14. Well, oh, she has good. one class. One one level barbarian 13 druid. But I think we're about to level up.
0: Ooh. What are you going to take next, do you think?
3: I'm I'm just sticking druid for the rest of it. Oh, she yeah? just has it because Circle of Spores since it go since it has that fungal
0: form. You paused. I
3: keep going and kind of attacking a bit. Um, I, uh, I, I like t- taking a level of barbarian so that I can do that and do a little damage and and suck up a little damage too. That makes also, sense. I just – roleplay wise, I love just being like – being able to like wrestle someone and get advantage on the string check. <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> you can rage out.
3: Yeah.
1: So with your with your background in improv, and mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm going to bring up Hot Date again because it's the best show, um, and all of the different characters that you and Murph play on Hot Date and mm-hmm. your D and D characters, is there a similarity in how you create your sketch comedy characters with how you create your D and D characters? Like the, you mentioned before, like when you were talking about your characters, you said these are the ones I perform with. So i yeah. like, there's a difference between your home game characters and your performing characters.
3: Oh, I think I was just saying that to say, like, these are the ones that people that would people know. That people would know, okay. Yeah. Is there a difference? I think with Hot Date, I, we usually come at it from, like, what's a funny, like, sort of sketch comedy angle and then fill in the characters? You know, because, like, we we write that show, so it's like, and it's a pretty intensive writing process, so a lot of times we're just trying to get the trying to get the script done and then get to set and and we're like cool what is this character you know it's like a little more a little more on the fly with my D&D characters I know like I have to live into this person so I usually like choose something I want to I usually choose something that I like want to work through uh and and kind of I'm like that's that person that this is perhaps this is perhaps too personal but like when I I Took on Moonshine. She's like, she's basically like this super fertile elf, but doesn't want to be a, a mom. And that was like kind of like me being like, maybe I don't want kids. I'm a very maternal person in a lot of ways, but maybe I don't want kids. I guess I'll just play Moonshine for two years and figure out if that feels right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So yeah. I think I usually like take something that is like on my mind and and channel that in.
0: That's really. I think one of the powers of Dungeons and Dragons is that it allows you to work through stuff in a safe space. We've talked to tons of people who are dealing with uh, uh, people who are dealing with PTSD, or or or, uh, you know, trying to figure out where their gender, like their actual gender roles are, and they'll try out different gender roles with things, and you know, but it doesn't need to be you know, it can also just be like, hey, I want to find out if I want kids or not, or at least you know, explore those ideas in a safe way. Yeah,
3: yeah, or even like, yeah, there's. There's other examples, but maybe I'll
1: just be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's the opposite. So story first and then characters when it's comedy. When yeah. It's, and definitely. then character first and then. Does the. So when you're playing with Brennan or Murph, do they kind of come up with, like when you guys are starting something new, the knowing what everyone's characters are, is that where the story then comes from? Or is it more... It's
3: kind of different with both of them because with Dimension 20, we usually do shorter things. Like, it's like, I'm going to live in this character for 12 to 20 episodes. When So, like, yeah, we have, like, character creation. And that's also a party of of seven people, six people. So it's like, we need to make sure that it's, like, a balanced party. So it's like, we all get together. We're pitching character ideas. You know, making sure that we're not all coming in and being like, I'm going to be... A wizard and then it's just six wizards um but so that's like that's that character process um and then for another, another D campaign actually the crick elf was a rejected idea from uh dimension 20 <laughs> oh so then because we had like films we, we were doing like this like teenage sort of john hughes sort of vibe and i was like i want to be a crick elf and brennan was like i love you emily but um that doesn't really make sense with the genre. And I was like, very fair, very, very fair. (laughs) Um, And then, so I was like, came up with this Crick Elf. And then I, when we started not another D and D podcast, I was like, "Uh, can I play the Crick Elf? And then Murph was like, yeah. And then, you know, that kind of built the world. And then we're about to start our next campaign. And so like, me and the other players have been like texting kind of character ideas and stuff like that. So it's, you know, it's kind of all bouncing off of each other. Yeah. I would say the character creation process is like, is pretty, pretty open with the entire group.
0: What are some, yeah. uh, I mean, you know, i i I was looking at chat earlier and everyone was really excited about uh, name dropping all the other cast members and things like that. So like, you know, what's been, what's been a big part of, of, uh, playing with them and seeing their characters change over time—that uh, that you've enjoyed.
3: Um, which which one? The one for Nadpod twenty or Nadpod? Oh, Nad-Pod. Uh, what's been the great part about playing with them? Yeah. Uh the great part about playing with Jake is watching someone play D anD D for the first time. Like the very first episode when when he <laughs> the very first episode when. He like, you know, someone is very classic. Someone in a tavern is rude to him and he's like, I punch him. <laughs> and then Murph and then Murph as the DM, he's like, Do you want to hit him with your axe? And he's like, Yeah. <laughs> like, just like so like shocked. And like watching him slowly get bit by the bug has been so fun. And uh I mean playing with Caldwell, me and Caldwell are very, very similar in that we like to get creative that might be the nicest way to say it we're, we're both just like we'll both just like get obsessed with something stupid and derail the podcast by being obsessed with something stupid so it's like so much fun that we're both uh, stupid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you mean by stupid? Just doing things that are not optimal. Like, Is that okay,
3: here's what I'll say. No, no, no. This I have a very specific example. There was this one episode where we were up against. We were basically in a wizards tournament, and one of the other computer like uh c- competitors uh was Murph introduces, and he's like, and there's these other competitors, and. They're like, they're like these creatures from the sky and they're made of worms. And both me and Caldwell are like, who are these beautiful creatures? And we were obsessed. Both of us immediately obsessed to the point where Jake was like, I don't know. I don't even know. I don't care about this. Why are you guys so obsessed with this? And so it's like me and Caldwell will just be like, star spawn, star spawn. We love Star Spawn. We want to know more about the worm folks. Are the worm folks okay? <laughs> what are the worm folks doing? <laughs> so it's kind of like having like a fun uh, friend who's willing to uh, mm-hmm, go somewhere really silly with you.
0: I want to yeah. know more about these worm folks. I do too. But, but I, as a,
1: I, that made me nervous thinking about like what if Murph didn't plan to tell you that much about the worm folk, and now you really want to know about oh, them? Oh, Shelley, you see, don't have to be nervous. It's the dirty.
3: DM paranoia is back. But see, Murph is just Murph is just so good at rolling with it yeah. that he's just like, "All right, you guys are obsessed with the Star Spawn. Cool, we'll have more Star Spawn." Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, he's just. It there's comes some, naturally to There's them.
0: something really freeing about allowing the player's interest to direct you, too. Yes. Like, right? Like, and that's what I was doing when we, when we played last week was just like, all right, well, if that's what you want to do, that's what I'm making up right now. And then all of a sudden yeah. it becomes something that you remember and go forward. And it's not, it shouldn't be a, a nervous inducing thing. It should be like it a. It should not be. It's a yes and moment.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I'll get there. You I think you will, Shelley. I'll get and, there. You you seem know real when I'm in your game when I'm in your game and I'm like, Hey, can I do actually like a perception check to see if there are any worm creatures around <laughs> and then roll Nat twenty? You're um, actually going to be excited. I
1: am. I'm going to say <laughs> there. you look around, and uh-huh. you're 100% sure there are no worm creatures here. Oh, okay. <laughs> and now I don't have to cool. describe the worm creatures. Um,
3: all right. And now can I do a survival check to see if there's any worms in puddles? And can I find enough? And then I roll another nat one. Okay.
1: And then I would say you bend down <laughs> to look into a puddle to see if there's right. a worm there. And yeah. all of a sudden, you feel
3: something... Sucking on your face.
1: Oh, that attacks you and it pulls you down into Is it the a wormhole. Don't know.
3: <laughs> oh my God. But and see, then, I'm invested <laughs> now. I'm invested now. Do I roll
1: initiative? And Are that's we initiative? where we'll pick up when we play together. <laughs> <laughs> You've Literally <learned laughs> down the wormhole.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it.
3: Nailed it. Okay.
1: All
0: right. I'm invested too. I want to see where this goes. Okay.
1: You can be there too.
3: You can try yeah, to pull see, her out of the hole. Oh, although now I'm kind of curious what's on the other side of the hole.
1: Right, she'd be like, no, okay, no, no, let me there, go, let me go.
2: Are the, there worms Here's there? a
3: sneak <laughs> peek. I go limp and I give in to the wormhole.
0: Okay, but now Greg's
1: there— do you want to
0: try to, to save her? Um. Uh, no, I jump I right reach in. My,
1: you're going
3: to? I reach okay. my hand out like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger Hold in Terminator, it. and I invite you into the wormhole.
0: <laughs> I, I take a moment like, ah, i getting too old for this, and I roll up my sleeves and dive straight into the hole.
1: Okay, so now you're <laughs> both in the hole. Well, I'm, I'm in it. Okay, so you're just free-falling for, like, right. oh months.
0: <laughs> well, this is fun I will I will uh, do we know we, do we see each other um,
3: I have great food and I have great water stock so I'm just making as meals
1: yes as, as you're football. following Ball. yes <laughs> it's very this narrow though so you There's can't nothing. be in tandem with each other it's very narrow you only one and you have to go single file down oh, the wormhole. Okay, well, I'm
3: below him, so I'm throwing up the food. I'm throwing up the food
0: to him. Wait, I thought it was, it's not know. a human caterpillar type situation. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: we can do that. We can that's, do that. That's pretty can gross.
0: That? <laughs> can we roll to do that? Can we roll to human caterpillar? Okay, so what, what skill would you medicine? roll for that?
1: <laughs> if you I wanna, would, well, what, what skill would that be? I would um, say yes. I would think sight
3: of hand. <laughs> medicine. <laughs> Sleight of
0: hand on, like, I am proficient in surgeons' tools. So, okay, <laughs> let's do it. D- do it. <laughs> All right. So, we're, I'm, we're, you already start, you're already DMing. You're, it's happening.
3: I'm DM.
1: inspired now. I'm going to think about this now. Okay. <laughs> give me, just give me a couple days.
0: <laughs>
3: That's how Don't it prepare works, right? too much.
0: Don't prepare too much.
3: <laughs> Don't prepare too much. We are bottom? level twelve, though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, We're thirteen. I need to be level thirteen. I'm a, I'm a
3: multiclass barbarian and um, rogue.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, I'm half Asmar, half Tiefling. You're half-ass. <laughs> <laughs> I am half-ass. <laughs> I'm, I'm
3: half-assing
1: half-ass, this DMing thing.
3: Half, half-ass, half-teeth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> People in the
1: know. That's
0: how you say. Yeah, it. That's true.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Emily, you're awesome. You have made us laugh so much. Uh, Thank you for being on. How can people, you know, find out more about you and what you're doing, all your projects?
3: Um, They can watch. Currently, Dimension 20 is streaming live on Twitch every Wednesday at 7 Pacific Standard Time. Those have been a blast. Um, That's where I play an angsty little teen and I carry all of my angsty teen emotions with me. Um, home and it's uh, torture. <laughs> and, Murph and, um, it. <laughs> and Murph loves it. And Murph loves it. And then, uh, not another D D podcast. So we're just a, a podcast that you can find online and listen to it, and and it's fun. And love it. Excellent. And love it. And love it. And tell us how much you love it, so that our our delicate little egos feel special.
0: <laughs> they can tell you that on the social media, maybe, or is that?
3: Yes, I am kind of on Twitter at eExpert. <laughs> I just I it's not in my it's not in my habit, so I, I go on like maybe like once a week, and then I look at everything then.
0: Sweet.
1: Well, people are really excited about you being a guest today, so you should look at all the nice things they're saying about you. <laughs> they say lots I of nice things. Hope they hope really I hope that I did. lived up to expectations. I think you did. You
0: exceeded. Oh, you, you rolled a nat oh. twenty one. Yep. With advantage. (laughs) And you have inspiration. I would
3: love to physically see how that happens.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It just all of a sudden, a new face of the die just appeared. It was pretty amazing.
1: (laughs) Never seen that before.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I'm sure for me. we'll play again. And now I want to find out what happens down the wormhole. Oh, we will.
3: And yeah. I want to know where this wormhole lands after months in the air. <laughs> just, keep, just keep, I'll let you know when you hit the ground.
1: <laughs>
0: Great. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Emily. Thank
1: you, Emily. Bye. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: What oh, an amazing. amazing interview! Did I did I do okay? <laughs> well, you were talking in that weird voice the whole time. I, I don't, don't know what came over me. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Mr. Bean. My nerves. <laughs> oh no! no oh no, no, no. I'm not hungry. My God. That was amazing. So fun. Um, so amazing. Fun. Um, I enjoy hearing about uh, people's you know uh, personal lives and how they came to Dungeons and Dragons, and it's it's always amazing to hear about it. They find find. Right. exactly because as we were saying when we were not recording, D and D does positive good for so many people yes, it does. out there. Yes, it and does. Uh, that's a big tenet of what we do here at Dragon Talk is just yeah. to make sure we share the amazingness the that comes from people playing this game together.
1: And the amazing people in our community. We all have this thing in common. We do. We love D&D. We do. Yeah.
0: Um, I want to give a shout out to all the people who make this amazing Dragon Talk podcast starting with Shelley Mazanoble. Yes! Good stuff yeah. all around. Thank
1: you, Ryan. How can people
0: find you on social medias?
1: On Twitter, I am Shelly Moo.
0: Shelly Moo. Yeah. Um, I'm Greg Tito. You can follow me there or on woo. Instagram. Thank you. Thank you to you. Um, I also want to give a shout out to Ryan Marth making yeah. the amazing audio happen. Pelham Green making videos. Pelham. woo Lisa Carr helping us with booking yes, and getting everyone pizza. on the horn.
1: And Robert Plant
0: and Robert Plant, our newest uh, (laughs) addition, Uh, possibly also a dryad or a treant, we are not sure—but there's a plant in the studio, and it is good stuff. Uh, All right, so uh, we're doing a little thing different for our for our sign off. Here is for you to uh, you're in you're in a yeah there you go Uh, you're in a woods. You see Robert Plants and many of uh, his cousins all around you. You are. What character are you? Drunky two shoes. Drunky two shoes. Tabaxi ranger. Um, you oh shoot!
1: She was a sorcerer. Okay. A
0: tabaxi sorcerer. Tabaxi sorcerer. Uh, you see a shape start swinging on a vine towards you. What do you do?
1: I scream, Daryl, is that you?
0: Okay. Uh, roll me a uh, perception check as you're going to try and see a nine. who it is. Nine. Uh, I don't know
1: what my bonus would be. I really,
0: probably like a three. Yeah. Maybe I think, twelve. I, Okay. 12, total. Twelve total. All right, so you get a glimpse of this shape, and it's actually a chimpanzee who reaches out to you and tries to grab your hand. I take it. All right, we'll have to overstop, and we'll come pick this back up again at the end <laughs> of next episode of Dragon Talk. We'll see Woo! you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.